0: By the age of 13, Isaac had already become fluent in Latin, Greek, French, and Hebrew. By all accounts, he was a genius, which is probably a good thing because that may have been the only thing that he had going for him. See, Isaac had a a knack for uh, being able to write poetry and through his poetry that, that got published, he received a, an invitation from a woman by the, the name of Elizabeth Singer to uh, to get married. She had never seen him before, but she just fell in love with him through his poetry. But whenever she saw him, she withdrew her proposal. She would later write that he was only... Uh, Five feet tall, with a shallow face, a hooked nose, prominent cheekbones, small eyes, and death-like color. She said, I admired the jewel, but not the casket that contained it. (laughs) It's always surprising, and perhaps maybe it shouldn't be, that songs of joy are written by those whose lives don't seem to exhibit much joy. See, Isaac, his name is Isaac Watts, and he penned the Christmas song, Joy to the World. And yet, his life, in a lot of respects, doesn't give a whole lot of cause for joy. Well, we are entering into the, the Christmas season, and it is a, a time that is filled with singing. You go into... Uh, restaurants you go into stores and they are playing Christmas music you you have the every single radio station that they are now playing the Christmas music some of them have been doing it for months it seems and we sing because we're happy we sing because this is a season of joy we expect to get Uh, more time off of work during this season we expect to get a christmas bonus we expect to get and uh, and give great gifts during this season and so we are happy but there are some of us that we just don't feel like singing some of us life isn't as good And being surrounded by all of the people that are happy during this time, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Barrow, Alaska is the northernmost point in uh, the United States. And uh, in Barrow, they only have 120 days out of the year that the temperature rises above freezing. The sun sets around November 18th or 19th, and remains b- below the horizon for approximately sixty five days they don't see the sun again until around january twenty second or twenty third Now some of you may be aware of the of seasonal affective disorder or as as uh, you may more commonly know it as cabin fever the concept that that whenever you don't see the sun enough whenever you don't get enough exposure to the sun that it affects your mood. Well, that is a serious problem in a place like Barrow, Alaska, where you go over two months without seeing the sun. What's interesting, though, is that residents living there say that the depression actually gets worse when the sun comes back. And it doesn't seem to make sense to us. But they say that it gets worse whenever it comes back because you have these expectations of what life is going to be like whenever the sun comes back. And then all the problems are going to go away that you're going to have all this energy and it hasn't happened yet. It almost gets worse. And for some of you, you're in that kind of season. That this Christmas this holiday season is going to be the first time that you gather around the table and there's an empty chair. You've laid your loved one in the ground months ago. And yet, there are new occasions, new events that, that constantly remind you of that pain. And if that's you, what, what you are experiencing right now is a period of longing. I define longing as Falling just short of being fulfilled. Falling just short of satisfaction. And it doesn't matter what is going on in any other area of your life, but if you are just short of satisfaction, you still experience longing. And this morning we are going to turn our attention to the Gospel of Luke as we will the rest of this month, as we look at the original Christmas playlist i don't know if you've ever noticed but but around the birth of Jesus, everybody is singing. the angels are singing, the shepherds are rejoicing Mary she shouts with joy and and, and pins one of the the most beautiful hymns of, of all time. You even have uh, an older man and woman that, that they live in the temple, they just kind of spend their time every day in the temple and they join in the chorus of the songs. But this morning, we're going to turn to a relative of Jesus, the one who is actually going to be born uh, before Jesus and is going to to go around proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. His birth brings about the beginning of the Christmas season in Scripture and it begins with longing. The beginning of the, the Gospel of Luke, we are introduced to men man by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest, and he marries the daughter of a priest. As a Jew, there was no better position that you could be in than to be a priest and marry someone of the same pedigree. And this is... Uh, the. The life of Zechariah He has won the jackpot. In fact, Luke one verse six tells us that it gets a little bit better than that, because both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Not only were they born with privilege but they have done something with their privilege. This is a lovely couple. This is the couple that you want to buy the house next door to you because they would be great neighbors. This is the couple that that you would love for them to join our church because this couple has the potential to make a difference in the world. And because of the privilege that they have expectations would have been placed upon them very quickly. And it wouldn't have been long before Zechariah couldn't walk into a room that didn't quickly fall silent. I'm sure that Elizabeth's mother gave her countless ointments and herbs that would have brought a promise of conception. But the next verse begins with the ugliest three-letter word in the English language. But, you've heard that that word used all the time and and heart heart rates and blood pressure rises and falls with that three-letter word. You've heard them said to you in something like, love your resume, but, You're overqualified. I really, really like you, but just as a friend. You've heard the word used time and time again. Here is Zechariah's but. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old can't help but wonder how many times did they get their hopes up how many times was she convinced that she was pregnant this time only to be let down how many miscarriages had they endured How many times did they long for this until they reach the end of verse 7 that says that they were very old, even though this impossibility doesn't remove the pain? They have experienced a significant difference between their longings and reality. I've heard that difference described as disappointment. This is where this couple is they have experienced decades of disappointment and what do you do with your disappointment well Zechariah he takes his disappointment to God look with me in verse 11 then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense when Zechariah saw him he was startled and gripped with fear But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. See, in in the midst of this disappointment, he is taking it to God. And the angel says, Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Because he is bringing about the preparations for the Messiah. People, not just their family, but people all across Israel are going to rejoice at this birth. Understandably, Zechariah is a little bit skeptical. I mean, one, who who has actually seen an angel? I mean, you're going to start to try and justify or rationalize away this experience, but also he has decades of life experience that says we can't have a child and so Zechariah does what you would expect he says how can I be sure of this verse 18 I am an old man and my wife is well along in years the angel said to him I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now You will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I think it's a little bit ironic that Zechariah has been rendered mute, because that has been his experience of God. For decades, he's been taking this concern to God, and for decades, he has gotten nothing but silence back. And really, this has been the experience of the nation of Israel. It's been over 400 years since they have had anybody stand before them and say, this is what the Lord your God, the Lord, uh, the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is what the Lord your God says. They haven't heard a word from God for 400 years. And they've got to start to wonder. Where is God? We continue to take our concerns to Him, and all we get back is silence. And I know that that some of you that are here this morning, that you're in one of those places. That you are living in this, this long period of longing, and your life is not matching up with that. You're filled with disappointment. You continue to take that disappointment to God, and it seems like He is mute. But God isn't mute. God's not dead. He's not done working in this world. And so the angel announces to Zechariah that He is still doing something, that God is doing something special here. What God is going to do at this point in history will redefine all of history. We still. 2,000 years later, reckon our time based off of what God did at this time. Because God was doing something new. And it happens at the appointed time. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. She gives birth to a healthy boy. And the Bible tells us that it's eight days later. Verse 59. That they come Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. How easy would it have been for Zechariah to name the child after himself? After all, he's the one that has put up with this misery. He's put up with all the mocking that's come along with with not being able to father a son. Doesn't God owe him this? This? But Zechariah models for, for us that you can live with integrity in the midst of adversity and obscurity. But we often use adversity as a license for gratification. I read a study a couple of years ago that was done in, in the, the sports world. They, specifically, they were looking at professional football teams. And what they discovered was that, that the cities where, and, and the, the states where those uh, teams reside, that they overeat, they overindulge whenever their team loses. And so that's why, if you're a Cowboys fan, that you've put on a few extra pounds this year. <laughs> because we tend to look at, at adversity as giving us license to indulge. We say that we have earned This little bit of indulgence. But Zechariah models a different way. That even though he's going against the stream, and there are others in this room that are saying, you need to name this child after you, he says, no, the child's name is going to be John. And I know that some of you, you, you are living your life right now in a place that you didn't expect to be. You didn't expect to be taking care of your grandkids. You expected to be able to stay home with your kids, but now you're having to go to work. And life hasn't turned out the way that you expect. And it's very easy for you to use that adversity as a license for gratification, but you need to hear that you can live with integrity in the midst of your adversity. In the midst of your obscurity, when no one notices, no one thanks you for what you do. Whenever Zechariah exhibits that integrity, his tongue is loosened, he's able to speak. But he doesn't speak, he sings. Because of the great joy, his song is recorded in verse 68. to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah sings because God sees. The psalmist wrote, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. He says, essentially, I I look at my micro self, and I've got to wonder, why do you bother with us? Why do you take a second look? There are many people that they would prefer God not look. Because they assume that if they've drawn the attention of God, it is a bad thing. That if God is looking at them, that that he's going to find something wrong and he's just going to zap them with a bolt of lightning. But in the Christmas story, in the coming of Jesus, we have revealed to us a different kind of God. A kind of God that it's actually a good thing whenever he sees you because this God sees the invisible and hears the voiceless. One of the most well-known Christmas songs is O Come O Come Emmanuel. It's an old song that traces its history back to around the 12th-13th century. It was translated into English in the 1800s. The song begins with a longing. O come, o come Emmanuel. And ransom Captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. But that isn't where the song ends. The verse ends with rejoice, rejoice, all you people rejoice. And you've got to ask the question, how do we get from this this state of longing till that longing is satisfied? And it comes with the next line. Until the Son of God appear. That is what turns that song from a lament, a crying out to God, to a song of praise. Because the Son of God has come near. Or in the words of Zechariah, the Lord has come to redeem His people there may be some here this morning that you're in this long period of longing and you don't feel like singing. If that's you, I want to invite you to feel free just to sit and listen and let our song be yours. But there may be some here that, that would like to be a part of those who are going to be redeemed when he comes. If that's you, then you can come. We're going to have some elders at the back of the auditorium. They'd love to to visit with you, to pray with you. If you'd like to, to come to the front, I'll be at the front as we stand and worship together.